Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Om Shanti. time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate, but even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul, the original, eternal imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality, or even a language. Ask yourself. How do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? Supreme Soul would think of you, and you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, 
and truly who I am. A free, peaceful, pure, immortal, and eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. At this time, Hello everyone, welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Letting Go from Inclusion Revolution Together with Love, something we need a lot in 2020. Imagine if we all were to come from a place of our inner fullness, our inner fullness, and we would look at each other with that fullness, and we would speak to each other from a place of fullness, and we would certainly make choices from a place of fullness. Think about the choices that you've made uh, because of lack and think about the choices that you've made because you felt complete. Everything was okay. I found that generally I'm in the place of just being the giver, the bestower, just unlimited. And if for whatever reason I'm not feeling my best because a part of my personality has emerged (laughs) from my past, um, I could see that my giving is actually saying I want give me that. But it's just coming with a mask. And I think we're in a particular age of becoming very authentic, very true. The reason why 5Gs are popping up is that after a while you won't be able to hide anything. The reason why technology is what it is, the reason why governments are watching everything that you're doing is after a while we've got to be transparent and we've got to end up being our best and good. And even though we still believe in the power of privacy and we do believe that there are certain things we don't want the world to know about, at the same time, what if we were to transform our choices and transform the way that we're thinking? Maybe we would be proud to let the whole world see what's going on. Also, make it. maybe this would be the year that um, the images and the stories that you post that it shows your real side. And, and I don't mean the depressed or the negative or that, not just that. But your real side, you know, deeper thoughts, realizations, questions that you've had, um, an encounter that you felt with someone when you were um, at a restaurant or in the line waiting to check out or at the workplace, and someone you know has been extremely unkind to you, and you talk about that feeling. Let's help each other to become full of ourselves and and become the best of ourselves for this year because it's been a rough 2019. I mean, we ended it on an impeachment in the United States of the U.S. We ended it with, you know, just a lot of trauma at a spiritual level. Um, Nobody wants to be hurt, and nobody wishes to hear another individual hurt another. It doesn't matter if you believe you belong to a particular religion or a particular political party or a particular country or the language that you speak. At the end of the day, when we're all going to go back to source, the question is, how did I live? Did I give more joy than sorrow? Am I leaving with as much light as I entered the journey with? And this is the age that we're in. We've got to light up and we've got to pay attention to our thoughts and what these thoughts are saying to us and how they're defining us and helping us to um, relate to one another so we can manage our relationships a whole lot better. Today I'm really happy to welcome our next guest, Jessica Baum. You see, many of us grew up learning that being selfless is not only morally right, but also the path to being loved and appreciated. And our guest today is a licensed counselor, Jessica Bond, and she shares how going from selfless to selfful can lead to a much more fulfilling personal life and partnership. Jessica is the founder of Relationship Institute of Palm Beach and creator of the Self-Full Method. It's a therapeutic path 
personal wellness and freedom from codependence. Today, it gives me pleasure to welcome Jessica Baum to America Meditating Radio. Hi, Jessica. Welcome and Happy New Year. Hi, Happy New Year. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Tell us about the Relationship Institute and why you started it. What's what's actually its mission? Oh, wow. The Relationship Institute, well, I've been a counselor for a long time, and I started out in the addiction field. And Mm -hmm. um, as I developed and gone through my own personal struggles with relationship, I identified with the addict and the codependent, and um, I developed the Relationship Institute to help people form better relationships really with themselves, but consequently it gets mirrored in their life as they start to work on themselves. So the Relationship Institute is really about cultivating a deeper level of awareness and understanding with your relationship with yourself and and that relationship with everything else in your world. Now, you and I both know it's not easy to relate to ourselves, especially when we don't really know ourselves very well. We've been so externalized in our definition of who we think we are and Um, we define ourselves based on comparisons. A lot of us are comparing who we think we're supposed to be by looking at another person and see what they're up to, what they're wearing, how their hair looks, how their features are, the car they drive, the partner they have. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how do you build that relationship with you when you're not really clear in who and what you are yet? You know, it all kind of starts with the awareness of your internal dialogue and what your belief systems are and how you're comparing yourself to others and taking a brave step to really kind of really drop that story and start to really connect within and find out where your voice is and what is really kind of driving that because often we're driven by what we think we want or what we think we need and we fill ourselves up with sometimes not great things. So it's all kind of a path to disappointment right. in in not really understanding what it is that really really fills us up in a way that that helps us generate outward and and be happier and more fulfilled in life. So it's confusing because I don't think at an early age we get taught to do this well and I don't think our society really um fosters this although we are moving closer towards it, but we if we just live by what we see, we get all these false interpretations of what we think will help us feel satisfied in our lives. Indeed, indeed. Self-love and self-care have become a cultural buzzword, um, but you say there's something missing in our understanding of perhaps what these things really, really mean. Could you explain a little more? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I hear the word self-love everywhere, and it's a beautiful movement. However, often I see in my practice and and with a lot of people is that they're not really grasping the concept of self-love. It has become kind of fluff in terms of I had a client come in a couple weeks ago that told me, you know, I I practiced self-love this weekend by getting my hair blown out, and I was like, that's beautiful. But she's in the beginning stages of internal awareness, but people are missing the point in terms of it's not just about fancy indulging yourself or going to a million yoga classes, although that might help you. It's also about sitting with uncomfortability and forming a better relationship within and finding what fills you up spiritually rather than just filling the void. And um, Mm -hmm. self-love is just kind of used everywhere, and often it's missed used in my opinion as a therapist that self-love is about the ugly and the shadow and the unwanted parts of ourselves and really just connecting deeper within and not so Mm -hmm. surface that makes sense of course well could you define for some of us who are still learning about codependency what does it actually mean to be codependent in a relationship because sometimes you really feel like it's the norm to offer the best of yourself to anyone or, you know, in a relationship. But I guess it gets to a point that it's imbalanced because Mm -hmm. your giving is wanting really more to receive a hole in you that only you can fill. Would you say something like that? Yeah, I mean, I would say a lot. First of all, codependency, (laughs) in my opinion, to a degree is healthy. We need each other. And it's okay to be needed, and it's okay for someone else to need you. And like you said, it's the imbalance of when we are overgiving, we become selfless, and we start to abandon ourselves for the sake. Usually there's an under, 
an underlining um, drive. So it's love me. There are many reasons why we keep giving, and we don't realize it has more to do with us trying to meet our needs rather than to just give. Um, and, you know, part of the reason why I came up with the concept is that I feel a lot of people become selfless in their relationships and they abandon themselves. And often those people can be attracted to, quote, unquote, more selfish people. And so people would come to me and I would try to help more codependent types of the giver, the constant giver, and giving from that place of fear. I would try to help them become more selfish. And that word was just really hard for them to digest. So I started to think of, like, think of self-full. Think of how you can fill yourself up first and then give after. And I started to resonate more with that concept so I noticed in relationships, there's usually a, one person who's a little bit more of a giver and the other is a receiver, but it's really about balancing. And when we're in, not in balance, it's usually driven by our own fear and insecurities. So that's what I highlight a lot around shifting that and helping raise a, awareness around that so that people can challenge those fears or insecurities and become more self-full. And in actuality, they have healthier relationships and they're ha- they're happier altogether, but it is it's a big shift um, when they can make that change. So I don't think I've ever asked this question before, Jessica. But for those for those individuals that are very codependent, what about the person on the receiving end? Is there something that they should also do to help that person? You know, I always feel that if if someone is really codependent. Is there something they can do? I mean, usually the other person really likes the codependency or they abuse the codependency or they don't know how to work with that person that's constantly giving. They get frustrated or they feel smothered. Or con- it's codependent. Someone who's really codependent can actually be quite controlling indirectly, and they don't usually want to hear that because they think they're giving from this authentic place, but they're really giving because of a need. Um, I always find if if someone is selfish on the other side and is receiving and expecting, then they're a teacher for us. They're here to teach you how to set boundaries and learn how to do it differently because if you don't, you'll just build resentment at that person when they're just surviving the way they know how to survive when they're better takers. There's nothing wrong with that. They'll take as much as you're willing to give. So until Mm. you learn to modify that, they're just playing their role and their job. I mean, and they might want to look at that themselves, but typically it's the other side of the spectrum that I have an easier time shifting. Yes, it does. So being selfless can sometimes go along with getting stuck, don't you think, in that cycle of codependency? And you've also shared that one way to break free from that is to become self selfful, as you mentioned. Um, can you give us a, t- a tip or two that can help us to pull up the self, and I don't mean, you know, when somebody says, you're so full of yourself, not that type, but when you can actually just, you know, bring the soul to a more beautiful place within you. Give us one or two tips. Well, I mean, the meditation that you started this radio show with was beautiful. (laughs) It actually brought my soul right down into my center of my heart. And I focus a lot on the heart space and breathing into the heart space and, and kind of grounding a little bit more in your body. A lot of people think that they need to do all these fancy things, and the truth is just little acts of awareness, um, little acts of grounding, some positive self-talk or cognitive restructuring can help change or shift your whole day. Um, Challenging fears, I think fear is the main driver of a selfless person or a belief system that I have to be this way, especially with women. I I don't want to stereotype, but we often are seen as more of the givers and having more of that maternal role. So shifting that idea that it's good to give to self. In fact, it's more important to give to self than others, and you'll show up better in your world when you do that. So if you can change that mentality and and start to practice no and boundary setting, there's a lot of ways to kind of shift back into yourself. Once you start, like once I see clients start, they Sometimes they swing the pendulum, but they, you know, slowly they get more comfortable with taking care of themselves and staying in their body. A lot of it has to do with energy, too, like where 
our energy leaks are and how mm-hmm. and how we fill that up and how we kind of look at where we're why where we're giving our energy away too much and then often feeling depleted um so kind of looking if you can kind of close your eyes and imagine your world right now and start to look at what is leaking um your energy source and then kind of ask yourself questions around what is driving myself to keep giving my energy there? And it's usually rooted in a belief system or an underlying fear. So if you can kind of get behind that a little, you can start to alter those leaks, and you, you'll feel more full once you make ch- changes there. Those are lovely suggestions, lovely. Now, in being self-full, where, um, well, well, actually, is being self-full, just for romantic relationships, or can you take those tools into any area of life? Like how might being self-full work in the office, um, in social settings, for example? I love that you you asked that question because I really do focus on romantic relationships a lot, but the truth is the concept can be applied anywhere. And the way that would look in the office is, you know, we have this epidemic of workaholism and staying busy and how that's really encouraged in our modern world. So it's about cutting back and setting boundaries and looking at, like, maybe when we are prioritizing work out of fear above joy and balance. And so starting to modify, and I'm guilty of this too. I mean, I think we're all a little, we all kind of fall off balance. So it's about looking at where am I off balance and, and modifying in those areas. And that can be scary for a lot of people because it mm-hmm. means that they're challenging their fears in terms of if I don't work as hard or I'm supposed to be doing this or I've been rewarded in this position, then that years mm-hmm. go by and they realize, you know, they're not living a balanced, full life. Hmm. Well, everyone, if you're just joining us, I'm having a wonderful heart-to-heart conversation with Jessica Baum, who's the founder of Relationship Institute of Palm Beach and the creator of the Selfful Method. And we're talking really about how to be selfful, especially for this year and beyond. And um, there's been a lot of insights so far in our conversation, Jessica, and I thank you so much for that. Um, Continuing with the answer that you just offered, um, give me an example of how... It is when I'm self-full with my friends or uh, in in reference to like a social commitment. How does that play out in maybe attitude behavior or how do I show up? Yeah, it's like a great question because right? part of being, <laughs> yeah, it is. Because there's so many different answers because it can be any answer. And the truth is that being self-full in our friendships is about internal awareness again. So if you don't cultivate that internal awareness of what your need is. For example, if you had a really tough week at work and you had a commitment to a friend, your need might be to cancel. And I'm not saying be a flake and cancel all the time, but it's it's about really checking in and being authentic and taking care of yourself and being okay with letting others down sometimes. You can be selfful and take care of yourself and still show up for others but it's really honoring yourself first and looking at your commitments to others and starting to recognize where you're just kind of checking the boxes or doing things just because, but really your soul needs to rest. Um, That's one example. I mean, the other example might be that you are too isolated and you're a little bit lonely and you need to check in more with yourself and you might have to reach out to a friend. There's no one solution. It's about honoring Mm -hmm what fills you in that moment. And some extroverts might need that and other introverts might need something different in that moment. And it's always vacillating. So having Mm -hmm. that conversation with yourself and just really checking in is is the best way to learn how to be self-full. And when you can do that, you feel very empowered because it feels Mm. good to be able to take care of yourself first. Yeah. So what about online interactions, social media? Um, it's such an interesting period that we're in, right? And I know that my generation, we're just trying to figure it out. And I know the generation before me, um, and even kids, three, four, five, ten years old, they're going to just be in a completely different dimension of relating. So right. what's that like? How how can we be self-full with social media or our 
communication on the Internet? <sighs> well, it's good that you're asking me this because I'm in this place of trying to build my platform and I can spend too much time online and I notice that it drains me and it's too much mm-hmm. stimulus for me and sometimes too much information coming at me at one time. And I'll even notice if I spend the whole day like kind of wandering because it's so easy to do, you're left depleted at the end of the day and you're not you're living in like this place of where you're giving your energy to this device. So I you know, I like to put boundaries around where I spend my energy and how much time I spend my energy there. Um, you know, it, it's become another escape for a lot of people, and it, it's become an unhealthy way to connect, in my opinion. I used to think parts of it were really healthy, and they are. They can be very inspiring. But when it crosses a line of, like you mentioned in the beginning, of comparing ourselves or just we're bored and we're not able to sit present, present with ourselves, so we grab our phone and we enter the vortex. And it's a, it can be a dangerous, I mean, as we see, it's it's spiraling into a dangerous place where our society is turning to more and more. So they're uh, practicing setting limits. There's actually an app. I used to have it. You can grow trees. You can, mm-hmm. and it kind of measures how much time you've been on your phone, and it encourages you to stay off your devices. Mm, such an interesting time, huh, Jessica? There's so mm-hmm. much going on, and for me, I'm focusing more on my inner silence this year and amplifying that place. And there was something, Ram Das passed away last year, and there was a documentary done on him about being nobody. And one of the thoughts that I've been having a lot lately is just um, that it's okay. Like, um, I don't need to be seen by everyone. I just need to be seen by the folks that matter the most, you know, the ones who will have my back. Uh, if I need them, and, and it's just it just continues to grow more and more that I'm spending more time with the folks that matter the most, and just nurturing those relationships and friendships which are priceless to me, which I can't get online. Um, you have said that selfless people tend to attract selfish people. Mm-hmm. Why? So this is like the classic tale of. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of like the codependent and the narcissist or um, the addict and the enabler, but they're the opposite sides of the same coin. And we often attract lessons and we attract sometimes our opposite energy. Um, it just happens. Like you could put a, you know, a room full of people and there could be one addict and an extreme codependent and somehow like a moth to a flame, those two personality types. They actually complement each other. And in a dysfunctional way, they work. They are, in my opinion, spiritual teachers in terms of learning from those relationships. And I really encourage the selfless people to kind of look at themselves, you know, because often what they do is it's so easy to point your finger at someone who's quote-unquote narcissistic, but not really look at how did I get into this situation and where did I abandon myself, essentially, because that's what happens is self-abandonment. We want to get love from someone else, and if we can't cultivate it and generate it enough internally and someone else gives us that perceived love, we will leave ourselves energetically and gravitate towards that person, and that is kind of like handing our power away. So, you know, those two energy types, more of the giver and the receiver, the extreme ends, they do kind of attract each other. Um, And I'm fascinated by that. And I always work on trying to get relationships to shift a little bit more in the middle. Empathy plays a big role in it. Usually one person has a lot of empathy and um, a really easy time of, of feeling for the other person, feeling for their inner child, looking at the positive, really good at like just leaving their body and tapping into someone else. And the other person is a little more selfish. And I'm not even going to say that in a bad way, but they sometimes lack the empathy muscle. So they sit back and they're, they're better off at receiving and thinking about themselves first. So one person kind of goes into the giving and they'll abandon themselves, especially if that person makes them feel loved and they don't feel that internally, they'll really leave themselves. And, you know, I've seen a lot of love addiction kind of spirals out of that. So that dynamic Mm -hmm. 
sometimes it's also referred to the anxious avoidant dance. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of that or the anxious dismissive avoidant dance where, you know, the relationship can start out really great and romantic and everybody's meeting everybody's needs. And as soon as attachment takes place, the energy Mm -hmm. shifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then one person pulls back. And then the anxious yeah. person, who's usually the selfless person, starts giving and giving and giving and running towards the other person energetically, which then has the other person either feeling smothered or pulling back more. And it can start this like vicious cycle in a relationship. And I work on kind of repairing that cycle. Um, and it, it's very interesting. And it, no one's to blame. It's just a lack of awareness and understanding of what's driving these behaviors. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I like that you mentioned when the attachment takes over, which I think a lot of folks don't realize in relationships, that it's the attachment that begins to reduce the quality of love in our relationships. And it's so subtle, but it's very much the precursor in dismantling really what could have been a very healthy relationship. But it's so subtle because what starts to happen from my observance is there starts to be this sort of emotional void that we begin to extend to the person or to the thing or to the possession. And when we touch it or perceive it as something really more important than ourselves, it starts to fill that delusional void, which we start to make as a habit or a practice or a buildup, with the feeling that it needs to be outside in to feel that that love exists. And we don't know it's happening because it just happens very little, very subtle. It's very, very subtle. But then when it starts to break down, then you realize, wait, where did I go wrong? And we start to blame the person and we start to look at their defects and we start to talk about what they did and and shouldn't have done. And none of that is actually the reality of it. It's the fact that we started to become more attached and that attachment Mm -hmm. started to pollute the love that we once shared. Would you agree? Absolutely. You know, it's that self-abandonment, it's that choice at one point where that dopamine or that love that we felt becomes more important than staying grounded in ourselves. I'm I'm pretty fascinated about the whole subject in in general. And Mm -hmm. I have a lot of theories, but I also think that when you fall in love, you do lose yourself a little. And and so much of that happens, and it's not necessarily a negative thing. But you won't return home and if you don't have a good home. And what I mean by that is if you don't have the self-love and, you know, the stability and the groundedness and the internal awareness and all of these healthy things inside of ourselves, when we fall, fall in love and we let go, we're never going to want to come back. So it's interesting because the healthier we get, we can enter that state with someone and then also return home instead of entering and never wanting to come back to ourselves. So that mm. it just helps me gauge where a person's at and and how far that addiction or that pull outside of themselves will, will be driven if they don't like what's going on inside. And it, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily I think falling in love and losing yourself a little and, and it's wonderful is a bad thing. I think mm-hmm. the inability to return back to who you are or, you know, stay grounded in who you are is where the troubles start. Yeah. And I, I talk uh, about I the dopamine it. phase. Go ahead. Uh, no, please talk about the dopamine phase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so like in the beginning of every relationship there is a dopamine or a honeymoon phase and we are pulled towards that person and unfortunately, that fades, but we don't realize that that fades, and we start to continue, continuously go back to that source for the same outcome. And that's when the conflict starts, because we start to, like you said, point the finger and point out their flaws, when really we're just transitioning through the relationship. Mm. Now, I met a young lady. She was about 23, and we were having just a meeting at the ashram here in D.C., and her mother was talking away, and beautiful, eloquent speaker. Um, And her daughter came in, and it ended up to be a conversation about relationships, and she just shared so naturally and with such a natural conviction. And she shared, well, my relationship with my partner isn't draining. And I just said, wow, that was was elevated. You know, it was Mm -hmm. like... 
Yeah. She just knew at that age that being with the guy that she's that she loves and she's with, that it doesn't drain her. And what she's identifying or what she what comment was, what it said to me is she knew that if she's in a relationship where she feels energy is going or it is really toxic, it's not a good relationship and she'd be clear that she won't stay in it and I thought that was very powerful. I wanna talk about dating apps. A lot of people are using dating apps to try to find that true love. How do you feel about dating apps and are there any tips that you can share for everyone out there swiping through potential matches? I didn't even know that you swiped, so that must be the way you look for dates. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. I wrote my last blog on this, and I, I used to be really positive about dating apps, especially with my clientele that are a little bit older because they, uh-huh. there was a lot of stigma around it, and it's really a great way to get online and meet people who are presenting as available, presenting as available, but lately, I, I've noticed that there's like a problem with so many choices and people are not giving the, any kind of relationship a chance because they're, they're chasing the dopamine phase or the honeymoon phase or they love the beginning parts of a relationship. And because it's so easy to swipe and, and start engaging with the next person, they're not working through any kind of relationship with the person they met. So the, there can be like a a wonderful period, and then maybe conflict comes up and the knee-jerk response is, I'm just going to get back online rather than kind of working through the conflict, learning. And even if the relationship doesn't work out, pressing pause, reflecting before we just hop online to a million other alternatives, chances are we're just going to keep repeating the same pattern or the, the problem might be within us, but we keep kind of searching for someone new to to fix whatever is going on. So I'm a little hesitant. I I used to love it for a lot of people who don't get out much or their way of meeting people wasn't healthy in terms of they just go to a bar. But now I'm struggling, especially with the younger population, that it's becoming another way to just kind of, you know, discard a person and move to the next when you don't like one thing. And sometimes those things are really superficial. Um, so I have mixed feelings about it and, and I think that it was used as a, a good tool and it's, it's how you use that, uh, rather than the tool itself. So if you're really mindful mm-hmm. and you're in awareness and that you're giving the relationship a chance and your, your mind's not thinking, well, I could just get back online and it's just so easy to meet another girl or a guy that was so easy. And you're saying, well, you know, relationships go through phases and maybe I need to keep looking at myself and exploring this and not have, you know, we talk about energy leaks, not have 15 different conversations going on in one day. I don't even know how some people work with all of those exchanges going on. So I think the mindfulness around it, I think it's a good tool if if it's coming from a not wounded place and a not desperate place and a not discarding place with all these options. With all the stories that you've heard, with everything that you've been through and with possibilities always looming for all of our lives, Jessica, have you ever had those moments where you just feel like just staying by yourself feels like the place to be? Yeah, I mean, are you talking about alone time or singleness? Mm, being just with your own company and it doesn't necessarily need a partner. It doesn't need the next best thing. It doesn't need to try to reinvent something. It doesn't need to keep moving. It just it just is like you're okay just waking up and making a cup of coffee and sitting and looking through the window and maybe doing absolutely nothing for a day, for two, for three, and then just moving. The reason why I'm asking this question is that we're in such a system of moving all the time. Every time I travel to India and whenever I land there, even though that's changing a lot, it's like the whole country is its not still externally, <laughs> but there is a kind of a sense of um, like things just move naturally, easily, um, you're not stressed to get to the next thing. So the question is, have you ever had these feelings where it's okay to be just where you are and just be? Absolutely. And, you know, 
Pima talks a lot about this, and I really thrive in, in when I can sit. I can be vulnerable and say I have a very fast-paced mind, and I am kind of always thinking, but um, part of what fills me up is detaching and just being and being giving myself permission to just be where I'm at and kind of honoring everything I've been through and not having to be doing the next thing or thinking about what I have to do. But, for example, yesterday I took the whole day off and I did nothing. And it was joyful. And part of me was like, oh, I should go to a yoga class or to the gym or do that. And I was like, no, you you can do nothing. And that's what you need right now. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying to do nothing every day. I'm saying finding that balance and we need that time, and we also need alone time. I, I too, am in a relationship that actually, it's, it's beautiful that, that that young girl figured that out. I'm in a relationship that doesn't drain me at all. And it's one of the things I really love about him is that I can be around him for long periods of time, and it doesn't affect me. However, that alone time on top of that charges me even more, you know, and it could be a bubble bath or if he's on a business trip. And we all need that space to kind of just, be in our bodies right. and with ourselves and to breathe and be present. Yeah. You know, we don't, it's attachment. You know, we all get kind of attached and that pulls our energy. Mm-hmm. I was just feeling like we need that for 2020 just to, just to feel how it felt without a beeper, a cell phone, social media. And we yeah. existed back in those days. And what's wrong with us now? I, I don't know. So any final remarks, any upcoming events or anything else you'd like to share with our incredible group? Um, well, I just want to say thank you for having me on your show. I've really enjoyed it. No, I'm, you know, I'm working on a book and some online courses, and I, I am actually trying to connect more online and, and reach more people who can't afford traditional psychotherapy to help them work through um, these issues of finding selffulness and connecting better to themselves in relationship. And I just, I love any opportunity to kind of explore this more and talk about it. And, and yeah, again, thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to have you and make it a great year. And thanks for your wonderful sharing. It was absolutely priceless. Thank you. Happy <laughs> Take New Year. Care. Same to Bye. you. So there's a lot of opportunities for us folks to become self-full. For more information, go to relationshipspb.com. That's relationship P as in Peter, B as in Baba, dot com, or go to Jessica Baum, B-A-U-M, L-M-H-C dot com for more information. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, and we really are here to love each other the same. Let's do that. Here's Marvin Gaye. You take care. All the best, everyone.
I'm Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or on iTunes 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.